Hello and welcome to PodCat. My name is Sam. I am one of the two co-cats on this show. Just to briefly recap what's happened so far, I've moved from California to Texas, where I hang out with my co-cat, who we'll introduce in just a moment. And we go on zany misadventures here in Texas and tell you all about it. That's the premise for the show. It's all entirely fake and fiction and in no way uh, um, any uh, similarity to characters or people in real life is just coincidence. Hey everybody, it's me, Veronica. I live here. Yeah, what's your real name though? <laughs> we that, get that that's your podcast name, and you've done a great job of spending years and making that brand believable. I, I mean, even your parents call you that. It's just, it's astounding. But what's your true. real name? Uh, what's your goddamn game, Veronica? <laughs> uh, I was named after Veronica Lodge from the Archie comics. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, what, what were you named after? My mom wanted to give me a family name, so a name of a family member was very important to her. And my dad wanted to name me Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan <laughs> Brady. So they compromised, and my name is Samuel Jordan Brady. <laughs> I can't recall who or the family name Sam came from. It didn't. You're named after Samwise Gamgee. Oh, is that true? You're yeah. so right. You know, she wanted to name me a family name was going to be Bob. And then she was reading Lord of the Rings, Samwise. You're, you're right. I know. What <laughs> Sorry. A, what an idiot. What a dork. So I was almost Bob Jordan Brady. Well, I want to tell you right now that we, if, if your name had been Bob, we would not have, we yeah. would have just been friends. You probably would have known me as Rob. I can't even see it. Can't even see it. I am not a Rob. There's only one Rob in my life, and that's Rob Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, but... Some people fit their names, and I've been told a lot that I'm definitely a Sam. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, any questions from the Twitter? Yes. Uh, Adam Bash, at the Adam Bash on Twitter, asks, I want to hear what animal you think you could be in hand-to-hand combat, combat, but just barely. That is an exceptional question, Adam. What? I don't even understand. So what animal you could take hand-to-hand, but you could just barely take? Like oh. you think you could take in a fight? I think about this a lot. You do. I don't. You do. Yeah. Um, okay. So I would have to say, now stay with me here, but I really think that I could take on a small monkey. Okay. A smaller one. Like not even a chimpanzee. That's uh-huh. a large, that's a largish monkey. Yeah. But I think that I could choke out a small monkey before it bit me too much. We're talking like a spider monkey here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gotcha. But I mean, it, it's it's got like massive dexterity. Yeah, so yeah, totally. It, it's just you know, it's just a moment before it starts biting my face and causing terrible lacerations uh-huh. before I'm out. You know. Uh huh. So, so maybe maybe a small monkey. I'll tell you right now what animal wins in just hand to hand combat against me, and that's a kangaroo. Yes. It kicks me so hard, I hit the back of my head, it drags me to water and drowns me, like yeah. kangaroos sometimes do, and I die. <laughs> I, there's, unless I, unless I have time to use my um, superior intellect to a kangaroo in some fashion, or am able to use tools of some degree, that's just hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, now, was, were we supposed to say the largest animal that we could take on? I think we're thinking of what, what we could just barely take. Man, okay, so yeah, I really feel like monkey. Monkey. Because there are some dogs that could take you out easily. Yeah. I was going to say probably like, 
not the most aggressive, but a moderately aggressive breed of dog would probably mm-hmm. be, be my just barely. And I get hurt very severely in that process. But yeah. What I, do you do to take out a dog? Okay. So like, let's say it's a German shepherd. Um, I have never thought very intently about I'll tell you what I would do. Okay. (laughs) Is you get it in a chokehold and you just cut off its air supply. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was definitely thinking throat. Um, But you know who did take an animal in in, in combat in a surprising way is the guy on the the show, The Dollop, who was the taxidermist. He took a, what was it, like a, it was a big cat of some kind. Was that a panther? Maybe. Like a, a jungle cat. But like a jungle cat that he, the cat surprised him. The cat trapped him, like it was in the bushes, and he walked in, and the cat pounced on him. And then the cat had his arm in its mouth by the time he knew that he was in a do-or-die situation with it. And it's he like knew... like a Hugh, Hugh Glass in yeah, the air. Yeah, So he knew from... He was a one of the foremost experts on sort of um, animal biology at that time in the world, because his whole life was sort of studying taxidermy, but not in like the artistic way, but sort of in the accurately capturing animals as they are in the wild in a museum setting, which no one had really done to the degree that he had to that point. And he knew to punch further into the bite to choke the animal and then to attack it from there. And he did that and lived. He also survived an elephant attack. Oof. So he's he's pretty nuts. That's scary. Yeah. His wife was quite the warrior too. Like she had to, at gunpoint, make some of their um, guides go- take him to her their, his location because they didn't want to risk that themselves. So she, this is like early 1900s. Um, she start, has to turn a rifle on them. These like three uh, three dudes and get them to do that. So. Well, I mean, I don't think that a gun necessarily makes you a warrior. No, but like she was willing to throw herself in those situations for their safety. And, gotcha. and like was, was willing to, to fight for their, their, their survival in a way that he had to do. I understand. Okay. Well, that was interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So Adam, I don't think I could take much. Um, so probably... Um, Mm-mm. And anything that I would take would would have a, a massive amount of uh, advantage uh-huh. and dexterity. I sure. think I could have an okay can- uh, chance about, like not a fantastic, but okay chance about killing a lot of animals if I was in relatively good health. But as mm-hmm. is, I couldn't get much force <laughs> out of my arm and my shoulder would, de- would, would um, dislocate really quickly if I was trying to do any sustained um, or strenuous thing in that way. So, <laughs> I mean, I'd... Couldn't take very much right now. I used to really love these shows um, about people surviving in Alaska for an extended period of time. And I watched six idiots try to take on a porcupine. And that was a mess. That was a fucking mess. And a porcupine is not that big. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about it, I'm like, you know, even for small, skittery animals, it really does take a lot. Human beings are without tools. Not really capable of I think I could take much. a poisonous snake. I just don't have any words for you. Do you <laughs> understand how dangerous that is? Yeah. I'm not saying I don't also die, but I think I could just barely take out a poisonous snake. Essentially, what you could beat just barely. I think that's, that's it. I'm going to say a rattlesnake. God, I hope we don't get put in this situation where you have to take on a rattlesnake. Damn it, Adam. <laughs> what have you now, brought into our lives? Do you think that you could take an alligator? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's something funny about you. But no, no, okay, no, I don't think that I could take an alligator, like take it out. Oh. I think that I could remove myself from, from a situation, situation so you could in a smart way. Yes. Uh, with minimal bodily harm. 
Now, for context, your dad wrestled alligators. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he did. Uh, for a time. So, and he said it's very hard and very scary. <laughs> I bet. I don't I don't exactly see that practice as one where it's like, I think any other Joe could pick it up. It's really just knowing the right guy and getting the alligator is the problem. No, I think not getting eaten your fucking face off is the problem. My dad tends to be... Um, well, I guess my dad is a lot like me in some ways where um, when I had asked him about it, because I hadn't seen him for several years, and then I came back and he had all these pictures and was showing me this stuff, and I had heard through other family members that he was doing this. And um, and so I asked him, like, stupidly in the car, we're driving somewhere, and I was like, so why'd you quit? And he slams on the brakes and pulls over, and he's like, are you kidding me? It was hard. It's scary. <laughs> And then he pulls back onto the road. Yeah, that sounds so like So my him. dad is one for dramatic effects like me. Sure. Yeah, he <laughs> definitely sounds like it. Never met him. Um, Phil at Canada underscore Phil. Hey, my dark bright brother. How you doing? You're, you're the best and happy birthday. He asks, best Southern food? Oh, fuck. Um, best Southern food. I am a fan of chicken fried steak. Yes, me too. Chicken fried steak is delicious. Um... Now, if you don't know what chicken fried steak is, it is not chicken. It is a cube steak, which is just a very shitty cut of meat that has been pounded to a tender morsel, breaded, deep fried, and then topped with gravy Mm -hmm. that is white gravy, not uh, not brown traditional gravy. Mm -hmm. It's usually served aside of uh, mashed potatoes, fried okra... And maybe like some green beans or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the the comfort food is is where you go to first. I do think there's there's a lot of different ways you want to tackle that, and ways if you really want to get some different ones. Someone that I didn't appreciate fully before living here when we went over to Louisiana, Cajun food is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think something you need to experience to experience Southern food is to go to a mud bug crawfish place, uh, somewhere that's nice, um, or not nice. I don't mean like nice like a nice restaurant. I mean like. Somewhere that authentically has done this yeah. for some period of time, has some history with it. Um, so Someone who is operating their dad's restaurant. Yes, exactly. So you need to go to an established joint. Um, so um, Mudbugs Crawfish uh, is, is, is really fantastic and Cajun food with that. And then that, there's just nothing like that in a drink, too. Like That's one of the best meals to drink Well, with. yeah. And if you are eating here in the South, you must be having sweet tea. Yes. Oh, and sweet tea is, is really good. There is a difference. And I have been to many parts of the United States and even many parts of the Southern United States. And there is just something different about Texas tea because... It is two glasses and your blood sugar is just in an unsafe place. Yeah, and people here have really strong opinions about their sweet tea, too. Mm-hmm. I had a professional mentorship with somebody who is this, this really successful big mover and shaker in sort of uh, municipal government here. And her and I would go to different places for these these mentorship meetings, and she'd have a strong opinion on the place based off their tea very quickly. And that yes. was her first impression. That was her most important impression of the mm-hmm. place. It really is. Um, and the size lemons that you receive with your tea is... a big indicator of whether or not these people care about whether or not you're enjoying your tea Mm -hmm. so cajun food specifically crawfish food is really great that's my friend sam oh he's here okay we're gonna come back to this later see you guys so to my knowledge we were talking about food 
Ooh, I so forgot what we were talking comfort about. Comfort food is, of course, the oh, staple right. of, of Southern food that people expect. But there's a few things I want you specifically to try. And you can correct me. You've lived in the South a lot longer than me. I've lived in a family that had a lot of members from the South that always appreciated Southern cooking. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you're obviously the expert. But I feel like you need to try, um, obviously, some brisket um, um, somewhere and uh, sliced, not chopped. And then I feel like I really enjoy personally. So you're talking about Texas brisket. Um, let's get a little bit of clarification. There are different regions of barbecue. We live in Texas, so that is a dry rub optional sauce. Typically no sauce. Okay. Yeah. So try, of course, a brisket if you're trying barbecue. That's a part of the experience for me, part and parcel, uh, for sliced. Um, I really like a good hot link. I don't think that's quite (laughs) on the level of being a barbecue staple or something that people travel for, but I appreciate a good hot link and I feel like it really separates the wheat from the chaff for barbecue places for me pretty quickly if mm-hmm. I really uh, enjoy their their hot wink. So I like that. And then, um, so yeah, so uh, crawfish, chicken fried steak, brisket, hot link, anything else for solid food? Uh, Bluebell ice cream. Bluebell ice cream, good. Any flavor is good. Um, let me think. Biscuits and gravy. I mean, that's just oh, a staple yeah. here. Biscuits and gravy, white gravy, um, almost... The only time that I have ever really seen brown gravy served is at a Thanksgiving. Yeah, brown gravy is not um, very frequently happy. We had that pretty frequently with mashed potatoes in growing up in, in, in my household, but you mostly see white gravy here, I, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, any other questions? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of questions. Why don't we just turn on the infinite charm of yours right at the microphone while I just oh, pull up sure. this phone and press the unlock button? Let me think of some other southern foods that I really like. Um, I'm trying to think of a really good southern dessert other than bluebell ice cream. Um, you know, on that ice cream, there's this big legendary Texas that kind of hangs there. I, I studied school government here, and, and you really, um, it's funny how much it gets pronounced, but they say that people in Texas come to Texas for the beer, ice cream, barbecue, and women, or some combination thereof. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I came for one of all of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, pecan pie. So the uh, Texas or the state tree of Texas is the pecan tree and there are lots of them here and I make a fucking killer pecan pie. So that's good. Not Southern. Okay. You want more questions? Yeah. Jonah Gregory at Spambot on Twitter says, your podcast seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. How did you get so popular? Oh, well, to me, it just seems like we got here from just releasing as infrequently as possible. Yeah, totally. No so predictable schedule. We, we definitely make sure that our fans cannot rely on us for that stream of content that they constantly have that's important to building a relationship there mm-hmm. they can come to. So we, we definitely try to fuck that up. What we do is we are the cute boy in seventh grade and you are all the girls that like us, uh-huh. but we just intermittently come into the classroom and we're like, hey, can I sit here? Hey, yeah, whatever. Or vice versa, cute girl, sappy boys. I don't know. Whatever. Totally. <laughs> this is seventh grade. So, uh, Jonah, if I don't believe that that is true, but I think I really appreciate your comment. But, uh, you know, just I like being me. I like being around you. When yeah. You. I really just enjoy talking to Sam. So as long as we have interesting things to talk about. But it's not even interesting. how many Academy Awards we drove towards the show Breaking Bad. Truly. I don't think anyone outside of their basement randomly on Netflix would have stumbled into that show if it wasn't for our work. Yeah. 
we're, well, we're doing God's work on yeah, this podcast. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. And we have, you know, just brought incredible amount of traffic and attention to other podcasts. By so. God, I mean Oprah. At Srimogaka? What? I know this person. I just don't know how to say that Twitter handle when the lights are on me. Srimogaka. Srimogaka, the sitcom prince. At Srimogaka says... Srimogaka. At Srimogaka. Could you explain the concept called the duality of men? I don't know that I know that concept. Let's, go- let's Google it real quick. Okay, we're going to Google it and you're going to get our live commentary on it. Oh, we're being called. Well, uh, we've Googled it. Mo- Googling it mostly entailed watching a one minute clip from Full Metal Jacket where a guy had a peace pin on his body armor and a born to kill thing on his, on his helmet. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the duality of men? So, um, now that I understand what it means completely after having watched one clip from Full Metal Jacket, Mm -hmm. what I think it means is that inside each of us is the tendency to, uh, to have good and to have bad in us. And, you know, it's like the old, um, tale of you have to determine which wolf you feed inside of yourself, whether it's the good wolf or the bad wolf, um, and that determines what your nature is overall, is if you choose good or if you choose what is not good. Mm-hmm. I think the individual actions that people choose um, don't tell a full story apart. It's more the direction that people are headed. And sure, it is the things that you do and the good that you do to other people and everything. But what really endures is what shines through about you over time with people. And what shines through is the direction you're headed if you're working at being, if you had unlimited time and unlimited resources, if you would get closer at being better at this thing, that'll shine through over time. Little mistakes along the way will not take away from that, that, that essence of who you are. And the same goes to the opposite direction too. I think do that, you think that once you have, so let's say for instance, um, I had a, a terrible anxiety attack last night because I, I feel like I saw one of these people who was just a terrible person. Uh-huh. Do you feel like there is redemption after that? So for for this instance, um, this man, he, uh, he and two other people are accused of murdering a 64-year-old um, Hispanic man uh-huh. and uh, leaving him in a, in a ditch. After uh, an amount of time, they, they caught this man. He was at large for several days. And then when they caught him, um, and it was really interesting. He had, um, he had spoken to the camera as he was being put into the, uh, into the place that was going to take him to, I guess, like the jail jail and not just the county jail. And he was like, you know, you try and do something to save the generations ahead of you. And, uh, you know, well, Jesus loves us all. And I was just like, Ugh. Yeah. and th- that that concept really scared me a lot because there are so many people that live with this um, with this outlook that, you know, you can do a lot of bad, but you're still redeemable. Jesus loves you and all can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. And I really come from a standpoint of, well, no, not all can be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the person that you took away from this world, his family will, will miss him for the rest of their lives. There is no, there's no justice for that. Sure. I certainly try to never let religion get in the way of me doing the, being the best me I can. I never try to let anything 
yeah. that way. I uh, think that over the body of his life, who he has, is becoming is shining through. And that is somebody who um, fundamentally and psychotically views the importance of his life and his experience over the, uh, placing any value of other, other, uh, over, over others uh, to the point of snuffing out those lives. And I think that if you were to see him at a, for a day in a jail cell, I think that would be relatively insignificant. You could see him be nice and that could upset your narrative and you could be upset. Or you could see him be mean and it could confirm your worldview and you could feel justified. But I don't feel like that those individual actions are relevant. I think that that, that, that is just ignoring of, of the greater context of who you are shining through in the relationships and legacies that you forge and leave with other people. So you really feel like you have to have a full picture before you can say one way or the other. Yeah, uh, or yeah. Are you saying that you should never say one way or the other? I'm saying that his, the question of his truth doesn't interrupt the idea of me being the best me that I can be. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to have an answer for his redemption, or in order for me to know that if I, I work at me, that 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 can be an improvement in in my happiness and those around me. Sure. Okay. I think we got sidetracked from the question. Duality um, of man. What, what were we supposed to be doing? The duality of man. What, what, what was the question? What do we think about it? Hmm. Now, I think there is good and evil in all of us. We're all born with a sense of... Um, well, I don't know that I really believe that. I'm a very strong moral relativist. As much as I strive for the good. I re- it really... Nothing makes sense in a vacuum to me. And to me, I get upset when people try to say, look at how awful humanity is. How could X, Y, Z be? Or look how yeah, great humanity yeah. is. Those don't make any sense to me because they are taking something and contextualizing it in something where there's no other points of context. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, I think... I, I hope that within each of us, there is something that universally guides us to do the good. So if we were born in a place where there was not an established society telling us what to do and we encountered another human being who also did not enforce any kind of a societal norm sorry i just farted no worries (laughs) sorry um so if we had someone who if we had two people who did not have society pressuring them or did not tell them what was right and what was wrong. I would hope that, you know, within both of those human beings, that each of them would feel um, just intrinsically that they want the other person to do just as well as them. They want the other person to thrive and be happy as much as they want their their own person to thrive and be happy. And... Um, and I would hope that they would achieve that by kindness and um, and just being what I would consider a good person. Um, because, there, you know, if this concept is true, then, you know, these two people without social norms being impressed upon them could see each other across a field and immediately think this person is a threat and to kill them. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that within each of us, we choose to, we choose kindness. See, when people place those those hypothetical stories, I think I have a slightly different take on them. Mm-hmm. I think that it would be a, a million different p- possible places with where... Well, but we're also talking about just a philosophical concept. I understand that. Okay. I have a specific response to that philosophical okay. concept, I'd like to say. 
when people place those hypotheticals, they have a, a judgment that they hope to or believe that is happening, and, and it's usually a judgment of good or of bad, and it's a hope that, that something is that that, that has the, some meaning. I, I, I kind of um, am a little bit suspicious of, and distrusting of most of those um, quantifiers and most of those meanings. I feel like the society would be whatever it is then between those people, and it might be relative to us or relative to them, what they might want or, or hope, good or bad, um, certainly not on its own. I think that the good or bad then comes from how they push the baton forward in that society through um, who they choose to become. So I think that it might, it might be a relatively to us mean or, or brutal society, but that they can push the baton forward um, towards good in, in what they do with each other by by, by working at that and and or, or pull it back. I think that that's where the uh, judgment of good or bad comes. And to me, that judgment of good or bad doesn't come without that. Which is a very prime directy way to look at the universe. I'm very confused at what you're saying. So I don't care how they would operate towards each other. They might be a little bit more murderous than, than we would, or they might be a lot more utopian than we are. But that doesn't give me good or bad. That's just the society. That's the cards they were dealt. It's the society that that comes between them naturally. No, what, I, but what? But in my example, I'm giving you two individuals without a society. I know, but what, the society that they would come to naturally. Would be that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be bad. It doesn't matter what it is. It's that you push it forward. Our society is horrid in a million ways. It is perfect in a million ways, and those don't make sense or matter. It's how we push that baton forward or pull it back through the through our actions that matter. I'm an extreme moral relativist. Well, but I also think, and I don't care about the intrinsic things that would make them work better or work worse with each other. I can't, don't feel that I can know that. I don't trust that I can. And to me, it doesn't undermine my sense of good and, and wrong for that to be what it is. So, okay. So I'm still very confused by your your answer. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to understand your answer to be happy. So sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> as long as you're happy, that's fine. Um, I... I would say, I feel like um, in my particular example that I gave to you, I feel like you're kind of taking it to that next level of what the society is and what they do with that, wherein I think that the question and the duality of man is not about what is um, what the social norm would be and how they push forward, but what is intrinsically within each individual. Oh. So I think that's what... Then I, I come at that with an extreme perspective of skepticism that uh, uh, of organized systems that have that. And I think that they there probably is good work that's done there. I just feel that I trust, I, I distrust the people around me that they would impose too much of their worldview or want to see themselves in it or have wishful thinking or something that's just unscientific in how they would uh, come to know that personally. And I would be deeply skeptical of it. And if anyone said it, I would think it'd be very sad. Um, I'd be happy that they have something that is satisfying to them. And I would not say much of it if I was in person. But I would be incredibly skeptical of anything that they said about knowing that. If I found someone who studied that more, like philosophy, I'd be a little bit more curious to come at it with a more of an open mind. Okay. I don't believe in intrinsic good or bad of, of anything. I only believe in it relative to things. And I believe in striving for the good relative to what I know. So, okay, so I'm just going to ask you a question here. Uh -huh. and, uh, feel free, if, if you don't want to answer this on the internet, that's fine. So, do you believe that in an unestablished society, so, uh -huh. again, two strangers find themselves in a field with no um, 
with no society. They have not come from anything. Um, So when these two people meet each other, do you think that it is good that they would be instinctually uh, predators of one another? Mm Mm-hmm. I believe that I cannot know that as is, and I don't think that that matters to my, my, my worldview. And I am inherently skeptical of what anyone else believes with that. And I, I kind of don't believe it to be any sort of truth. <laughs> Just take it as them um, imposing what they want or or what they what they see in it. And if I have someone who studied that a little bit more studiously, or has actually had some um, some mean, real philosophy on yeah, it. Yeah, someone other than someone that's only watched one point one minute, 16 seconds. I don't inherently doubt you, and I, I do trust your opinion. I just... Uh, we're going to have the door. Bill B. Rank, by the way. Oh. I just... Um, I don't know that I engage in those premises as being important to me understanding the world, as they are, they are to others. I see. Okay, now I'm seeing what you're saying. Um, so your opinion is that you don't care. Yes. Okay. And I think that in any society that can be good or bad from more of the baton passing. Mm-hmm. So if they were predatory, that doesn't matter to me. It, it, it is even bad to me that they are. It, it, it kind of, you, you are dealt the whatever cards you are and it's more what you do with them. Gotcha. I really love that we were having that conversation with the ice cream truck in the back. I know, right? That was fun. It shows the duality of man. Oh, fucking. <laughs> I'm going to be right back. I'm going to answer that door. <sighs> We've had a lot of interruptions. Hey, they're on their way home. They're not home yet. Oh, sorry. No worries. The children are very popular. I just met someone in a situation where we both had no society and we chose to be cooperative. I would would say that's good. That's good. I would say it is what it is, but over time we'll see them to see. <laughs> good or bad. Well, I know what side one one of you is on, and that is the side of the person that doesn't wear the shirt yeah. at all when they're riding their scooter. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And I would say that's bad. Yeah. See, to me, like another society that doesn't have the tools and advantages that we do, I don't see that I am one to quantify it as good or bad. But the individual choices that they make that help or hurt other people in them. I can come to see them as good or bad in the context of their whole lives. But two people meeting each other in a field, it just is. They could kill each other, and I don't necessarily think that it's bad on its own. I think that it might not be ideal for me or from my point of view. It, it doesn't undermine the people's worth that they can build through through the things that they can do. But good. what if, like, okay, what if they're standing in the middle of the field? Uh-huh. And you can see there is obviously chemistry between them. Uh-huh. They see each other... And they look like they're about to kiss. And as you're watching in this Truman Show-esque cam, you think they're going to kiss, but then they just end up stabbing each other in the neck. I say bad, because I wanted them to kiss. I think that... (laughs) I'm just goofing with you. I know, I know, I totally know. (laughs) But I'm disinclined to impose how I would judge our society on any other society that I would find. And I am inherently skeptical and kind of engage at it in bad faith when other people do Hmm. well there you have it the duality of man as uh as veronica and sam see them after one minute and 16 seconds from Uh full metal jacket Uh thank you kubrick yeah thank you thanks kubrick and thank you very much for that that that, um that interesting twitter prompt i think we got uh, something interesting out of there it is insane how much 
I, I, sorry that you hear this from me every single day of my life, but it's insane how much Star Trek is my ethics and morals. Because yeah. what I've described to you is the prime directive. Well. Is <laughs> not judging it with as as you would yourself. And that's something that they resist. The television, it's a direct response to the television networks. They want to make a good white male Christian society. It's sort of a thing. And he sort of says, well, there's things and they're different. And that's not better or worse. They're mm-hmm. just different. Yeah, it's cucumbers and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Still yeah. good. Um, I would say of this that it is very interesting. I think that um, the more questions we get like this, you may end up seeing the difference. I think that this is the widest gap between you and I. Oh, really? And, uh, and the way that we kind of view the world in general. Mm-hmm. But um, Sam is very quick to take a step back, assess the situation, and then he is absolutely fine with not having an opinion with, or you know what I mean I've been just... told a lot I have a lot of these conversations with people because I like them I've been told a lot that I will reject the premise more mm-hmm. than most people would and yeah. I hope it's not me being a bad actor in the situation I hope it's not you being Ted Cruz <laughs> <laughs> no I just I I am not afraid to be skeptical of premises that I, I do not think that they say what they what, what people want them to say yeah um, I tend, on the other hand, to immediately dig into something, pick a side, and really fight for that side. Mm-hmm. But on the on the other hand, once I find that I am wrong, happily fight for the other side. Mm-hmm. So. so the episode, I know we need to stop this, but the, um, do you remember the episode that we watched called Remember Me? Where the whole yeah. universe is wrong? And yeah. She's, yeah. That one's interesting because it's interesting between you and me and it's a difference between you and me because it's where we distrust ourselves as a narrator. Mm-hmm. And I am very quick to. If I can't see something and have it be verifiable by other people or be known out there, then it just doesn't, it isn't real. And um, you are, are very hesitant to discount yourself as a narrator. That's true. And that's where we're going to end it. <laughs>